Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I begin in the name of the Almighty God, the compassionate, the merciful, the one who has created everything in utmost perfection. And may the peace and blessings of the Almighty God be upon His pure and beloved Messenger, the peak of His creation, the symbol of humanity, the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad. And His immaculate progeny of the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them, especially the leader of our time, the awaited Savior, Al-Imam Al-Mahdi, Ajjalallahu ta'ala farajah. May Allah hasten His reappearance and make us all amongst His sincere and dedicated servants. Respected brothers and sisters, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I sincerely congratulate you all on the arrival of the month of Ramadan, the month of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the month of mercy, the month of compassion and generosity in which the gates of Allah are wide open for all of us. I ask Allah to accept our deeds in this blessed month, to give us the success to make the most of this month, to make it spiritually uplifting for us and to protect you all and your families in this blessed month of Ramadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Holy Quran in Surah An-Nahl verse 97, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَلَنُحِيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا وَلَنَجْزِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْرَهُمْ بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ in this blessed verse in Surah An-Nahl, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, the one who does good, whether male or female, and they have iman, that's the necessary condition. They have belief, they have faith. They do good deeds, but with faith. What is the consequence? Here in this world, before the Akhirah, we will grant them and revive them with a beautiful life, a pleasant life, a decent life. And, and we will give them their full reward. In these few minutes, my dear brothers and sisters, I would like to discuss with you a very important question that many people ask today. One of the common questions about religion today is that we know many people out there who are decent, they're good people, they have good ethical standards, they're humanitarian, they contribute, but they're not necessarily believers. They can be atheists. They don't follow a specific religion. So why is it that I need religion to be a good person when we have good people in our society who are not religious yet they're good people? This is a question that you will hear about frequently. Because we say that you need religion in order to be a good person, a decent person. So they will counter that and they will object to that by saying, no, I don't need to follow any religion. I don't even need to believe in God to be a decent person. I can be charitable. There are atheists who donate. 
There are atheists who have humanitarian projects. They're very kind. They're very gentle. They're very humble. We don't see them needing religion in order to be good people. So do I really need religion to be a good, decent human being or not? This is the very important question. And we will answer this question briefly in a few minutes. To answer this question, I will share with you why we need religion and why is religion so important. Tonight we are embracing the month of Ramadan and it is during these nights that we truly strengthen our religion. So it's really important to know the role of religion in our lives. Number one, religion trains you and teaches you how to show gratitude to your creator. That's not something an atheist can do. Only religion can show you how to show gratitude to your creator. Because if you don't show gratitude to your creator, you cannot be a decent person. I say this firmly. I'll give you a few examples to make this concept closer to our minds. Imagine you have a very good person in the community. He's very charitable. He's very kind. Whenever you want him to help you, he'll help you. He's always there for you. And he has a mother who's been good to him all his life. Since the day he was born, she went through so much difficulty raising him, feeding him, raising him very well. She sacrificed so much for him. Everyone knows in the community that she is the ideal mother. Now what does this guy do when he grows up? When he grows up and it's time to pay his mother back and to show her gratitude, he denies that his mother has any right over him. He does not acknowledge anything that she did. He does not recognize anything that she offered him. If you know someone in the community like that, honestly, would you respect this person? The person is otherwise very decent, doesn't commit crimes. He's very helpful. He may donate. He may help you whenever you want. But every single day he wakes up in the morning, he says, my mother has no right over me. I don't need to thank my mother. I don't acknowledge her. I don't recognize her. Do you have respect for such a person? Here's a second example. Imagine if you want to pursue your academic career, your academic education, and there is a university that fully sponsors you. They give you a full scholarship. You get a full ride with this university. They even give you accommodations. They give you the best accommodations for free. It's all on them. So now you have free education, you have free accommodations, right? They give you free university lodging, they even pay for your food. And they put you on the best academic path. Now in return, what do you do? Every single day, you deny that the university has a right over you. And every single day, you violate the rules of the university. Every single day. That's your habit. Every single day, like, I don't believe in these rules. I don't believe that the policies and the rules of the university apply to me. I don't even think they have a right over me. Honestly, do you think this person is a decent person? This is a very important point to consider when you think about religion. Religion shows you how to thank your Creator. Without religion, you're unable to thank your Creator. You're unable to show Him gratitude. You deny His rights without religion. That is a very important role for religion, 
to recognize that you have a creator and that your creator has laws that you must observe. In our society, Americans today, they're not really tolerant of people who are not patriotic, right? Have you seen that, the average American? I will give you the example of two neighbors here. You tell me which one the average American will respect more. Neighbor one to your right, very decent person. He doesn't cause any problems for anyone. He's very helpful. He doesn't break laws. But every single day, he comes out of his house and he steps on the American flag. And he says, I don't recognize that this country has any rights over me. I don't even believe in the police force. I don't believe in the um, Senate. I don't believe in Congress, that they have any legislative powers. I don't believe in any court. I deny all of that. But the person is very decent. He doesn't bother anyone. But every single day, he burns the flag. He steps on the flag. And he says, I don't recognize that anyone here has any authority over me. This is your first neighbor. The second neighbor. The second neighbor says, no, I'm very patriotic. I love this country. I'm thankful to all the institutions of this country. And I know that my country has a right over me. But this person slips sometimes. Maybe occasionally they'll pass a stop sign, a red light. They'll do something here and there, right? The average American has respect for which one more? Honestly, what do you think? The average Joe out there will have more respect for neighbor A, who's not patriotic at all, who denies that his country has any rights over him, or neighbor B. What do you say? Neighbor B, right? Do you, do you all agree with that? Why? Even though neighbor A behaves better than neighbor B. But why is it that society respects neighbor B more? Because they'll tell you neighbor B acknowledges that this country has a right over him. At least he respects in theory the rights of the country. Whereas the other one is insulting the country. He's stepping on the flag every day. He's burning the flag every day. We don't tolerate that. My dear brothers and sisters, the one who rejects religion and rejects Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is far worse than the one who rejects his land, than the one who rejects his country. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created everything. Every cell in your body is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a very important aspect of religion. So that's the first point. Religion allows you and shows you how to show gratitude to your Lord. And that's extremely important. You cannot achieve that without religion. The second point, my dear brothers and sisters over here, as we are discussing why religion is important and can I figure out everything without religion or not. As we're discussing this point, the second response to that is that religion prepares you for the hereafter. Which other institution out there prepares you for the akhirah? All the institutions, they prepare you for this life. College prepares you for this life. Your job prepares you to make a living in this life. Religion is the only entity, reality out there that prepares you for the akhirah, for the hereafter. We're all going to the hereafter. Are we prepared for that or no? Religion shows you what to do to be successful on the day of judgment to be successful in your grave. Religion tells you what to expect on the day of judgment and how to prepare for that. That's not something you can achieve without religion. 
You cannot be prepared for the Akhirah without religion, my dear brothers and sisters. It shows you how to prepare for all of that. Otherwise, you will not be successful. Here in this world, even if you're a very decent person, you have the kindest heart. If you don't pass that bar exam, you will not be a licensed attorney. Can you go to the bar association and tell them, look, I'm really a decent person. Ask my neighbors. I'm so helpful. I take out their trash for them. I donate. I'm charitable. Is that going to fly? It's not going to fly. You don't pass the bar exam, you're not going to be a fully licensed attorney. If, you're not, if you don't pass the MCAT, you're not going to be a doctor. Even if you're a decent person. Even if you're kind-hearted. Simply being decent and kind-hearted does not mean you're going to be successful in the Akhirah if you reject religion and you reject the existence of God. Religion prepares you for the Akhirah. This is the second very most important benefit that religion gives you that you cannot get anywhere out there. Number three, my dear brothers and sisters, we understand the significance of religion by knowing that religion gives us a fixed, a fixed standard, moral standard to go by. Without religion, we don't have a fixed standard. Who makes up moral standards in society today? Society itself, right? Today society tells you that this is wrong, it's wrong. This is right, it's right. 50 years ago, here in America, society said homosexuality was bad. It was a disorder. Society said, okay, it's bad. Now society is changing its mind. Many people are saying, no, it's okay. It's actually perfectly fine to be a homosexual. And then in 20 years, what's going to happen, right? You cannot trust something that's not fixed. I cannot take my moral values from my society. Because I don't have a fixed foundation to build my life on. And that means I'll have a crisis. I'll have a crisis mentally. I'll have a crisis psychologically. I'll have a crisis socially. I'll have an identity crisis. What's my identity? Today ask the average teenager, right? Who has to deal with all these confusing elements. With all these different pronouns. All these different genders. All these different challenges. What's your identity? The average teenager says, I don't even know what my identity is. I'm lost in this sea of confusion, in this ocean of chaos. Religion gives you that strong identity. You're the servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you have a fixed moral standard that you uphold. This is only something that can be taken from religion and only religion. Nothing else can give you that fixed moral standard. This is another very significant, important aspect of religion, my dear brothers and sisters. The fourth benefit that we see from religion is that religion has figured out many things for us. Everything, in fact. Nothing has been spared out there, my dear brothers and sisters. Everything that you need for worldly success, for spiritual success, has been figured out by religion. Many of these things, you cannot figure them out on your own. You need centuries sometimes to discover the wisdom behind Islamic laws. I would like to share with you a few examples. The first example is our dietary system. What's halal and what's haram. 
Today, scientists are spending billions and doing so much research, and they're discovering why some foods are harmful, why some drinks are harmful, why some are beneficial. Just recently, you will find studies that have been published that tell you no amount of wine or alcohol is healthy. For decades, these, these very, mashallah, intelligent doctors, they maintained that a glass of wine is healthy. It's good for your heart. Drink it in moderation. Yeah, don't be obsessive about it. Don't get addicted to it. But if you drink a glass of wine, <coughs> it's fine. That's actually good for your heart. For many years, doctors advocated for this. I have myself spoken to American doctors who would say this with full confidence. No, our research shows that drinking wine is actually good for the heart. Now they discovered they were wrong. Now they're admitting that no amount of alcohol, no amount of wine is actually good for you. It does damage to your heart. It does damage to your digestive system. It affects your liver. Even if it's half a glass a day, it's harmful for you. See, after 1,400 years, now they discover it. Islam, religion, tells you this 14 centuries ago. No amount of alcohol is okay. It's a major sin. Getting drunk leads to so many people dying innocently. Every year in America, 90,000 Americans die because of drinking. 90,000 Americans. Islam has figured out this for you. You don't need to wait 14 centuries for research and medicine and technology to tell you that it's bad. Allah already told you it's bad 14 centuries ago. Even if it has some benefits, the harms outweigh the benefits. Even if we assume it has some benefits. The Quran recognizes that there are benefits. The Quran states that their evil consequences, when speaking about wine and gambling, their evil consequences are more than their benefits. They might have some financial benefits. You'll make a lot of money. But what Budweiser makes a lot of money. Sure, that's a financial incentive for them. But the danger is greater. The overall harm is greater. You see how religion figures that out for you? Without religion, you don't easily arrive at these conclusions. You need all that research for them to finally admit. Islam, religion gives you these beautiful answers. When? At a time when people didn't even have access to technology and medicine to figure all this out. You cannot be truly decent and successful without religion. You cannot figure out everything. Those people say, I have my life figured out. I don't need religion. That's not true. What do you have figured out? What you don't know is a lot more than what you know. What do you think you figured out? A few things, that's it. Every single day you run into millions of factors. You've got them all figured out. All of them based on studies. And you know exactly what the answer is? Only religion has everything figured out for you. And that's just one simple example, our diet. The second example is mental health. Religion protects your mental health. If you follow religion properly, the chances of you falling into depression, anxiety is much less. Allah may still try you with that. Believers may go through episodes of depression. But it's much less than people who are not religious. There are official studies, official 
research. In fact, I was uh, once reading research published by the Gallup polls. It showed that Americans who were very religious were the least to be affected by depression. The least category of people to be affected by depression. Religion protects your mental health. One study by Harvard revealed that students in college who were religious, they were more successful than those who were not religious in terms of their mental health. They had less episodes of depression. Those who prayed more, their mental health was better. This is something religion figured out 14 centuries ago. This blessed verse that we started with, Surah An-Nahl, verse 97. If you do good, you have to do good to be truly successful. But you have iman, you have belief. What's the result? What gift does Allah give you? We shall grant this person a decent life, a wonderful life, a blessed life, a life in which your heart is at peace. That's something only religion can give you. Nothing out there in the universe can give you this hayat al-tayyibah, this life in which your heart is at peace other than religion. You can be a kind person. You could be a helpful neighbor. But without God, without religion, you don't have that peace in your heart at the end of the day. And this is backed by official studies here in this country. This is another example, my dear brothers and sisters. The mental health aspect is a very important aspect. And anything that impacts the mental health. Today, today our society still insists that singing and music is good. Ask any doctor, yeah, what's the problem with singing and music? Just avoid maybe some songs that have some bad lyrics, otherwise it's okay. You'll find so much singing, in fact, in many religious institutions these days, right? Go to a temple, go to a church. They worship through singing and music. Islam is the only religion that has a problem with music. By the way, some people say this in a negative way. What's this problem Islam has with music and singing, right? Honestly, today go and inspect 4,000 religions. There are more than 4,000 religions out there. The only religion, pretty much, that has a problem with singing and music is Islam. Now look at the research. They don't want to admit it. But look at the research. Research is showing you that the long-term effects of music and singing is depression, suicidal thoughts, and anxiety. It increases those rates. That is why the highest rates of depression and suicide and anxiety are amongst who? Musicians and singers. Is that a coincidence? Is that a coincidence that three out of four singers and musicians struggle with depression struggle with suicidal thoughts and anxiety? Three out of four. Can you imagine? But they don't want to admit it. No, they still spend billions on it. Religion tells you, the true religion of God tells you, no, that's not good for you. Not only is it a sin, it will keep you away from your Lord. It will not give you that hayat al-tayyibah. These are beautiful examples, my dear brothers and sisters that we have. I cannot say I'll be a decent person. Why do I need religion? I have science. I can figure out everything. You cannot figure out anything without religion. Science, after all this effort, may uncover some things for you. Religion has figured out everything for you. 
The beautiful system of Islam, my dear brothers and sisters, if you implement it, if you take it as a comprehensive system, you will truly have the most blessed life in dunya and on the day of judgment. And these nights are the nights of the holy, Ramadan, of the holy month of Ramadan. Believe me, no institution out there can give you the spirituality that religion gives you in these nights. Every single night when you gather as a community together, breaking your fast together, this is something that religion encourages. You know how much this strengthens your brotherhood in society? This allows you to de-stress. Believe me, if you've had a stressful, stressful day, come to the mosque, have iftar together, you'll feel better. I guarantee you, try it. You will de-stress. That's the beauty of our religious rituals that we have. Allah has figured out everything for us. And then after that, you recite dua al-iftitah, these beautiful supplications that we have. Gives you hope and patience. Oh Allah, I've been desperate to get this, but it's been delayed. But I know, oh Allah, that the fact that it's delayed is because it's not good for me. I know for that. I trust your knowledge. Subhanallah, see, intellectually religion strengthens you. Spiritually it protects you and elevates you. Just read the du'as of the month of Ramadan and see how it gives you that dose of spirituality. Believe me, nothing out there in the universe can give you the dose of spirituality mentioned in these du'as of the month of Ramadan. Look at these beautiful du'as, brothers and sisters. Read them and interact with them. Don't just read them quickly. Ponder on them. Oh Allah, the sa'iloon, the askers, those who are in need, they're at your door these nights. And the fuqara, the poor ones, and everyone other than, other than Allah is poor and in need. And the poor ones, oh Allah, they're looking at your mercy. They're awaiting your mercy. وَوَقَفَتْ سَفِينَةُ الْمَسَاكِينَ عَلَىٰ سَاحِلِ بَحْرِ جُودِكَ وَكَرَمِكَ يَرْجُونَ الْجَوَازَ إِلَىٰ سَاحَةِ رَحْمَتِكَ وَنِعْمَتِكَ And he says so beautifully the Imam in this dua, Oh Allah, and the ship of the masakin. We're all masakin. We're all destitutes before Allah. And our ship has now parked at the coast of your mercy. We're having hopes to go on the other side. Look at these beautiful du'as, my dear brothers and sisters. Oh Allah, if in this month of Ramadan, you only accept from those good ones who, ha who don't have sins, then what about us sinful ones? Then who do we have, O oh Allah, if you're not going to have mercy on us? See how much you create hope in your heart in the month of Ramadan. Even if I'm sinful, I've fallen short, but I have not lost my hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah to open our hearts for guidance in this blessed month of Ramadan. 
We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept our deeds and our fastings in this blessed month. Once again, I congratulate you all on the arrival of the month of Ramadan. Right now at the time of Maghrib is when the month of Ramadan officially starts for many, for most people in the community. For some it was last night, but for most it is tonight. This is the moment of dua, my dear brothers and sisters. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us our sins. We ask Allah to give us the tawfiq and the success to make the most out of the month of Ramadan. وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين